the top five geeky things of 2023. This is Geek Confidential. Mel, welcome, Melody. Hey, hey. Also joining me is Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. Glad to be here, as always, Luke. Well, we are counting in honor of Thanksgiving. We are counting down our top five things we are thankful for in geeky culture. And I, you, longtime listeners of either any of my podcasts, know I love a top five. So I thought this would be fun. Uh, we haven't had a top five in a while. Mel, kick us off. What do you have at number five for your top five geeky things of 2023? Number five, I am thankful for Gen V and Invincible on Amazon Prime Video. Um, So these are two series that definitely fit our geeky quota. Gen V is a spinoff of The Boys um about the younger kids involved there is a very very interesting cameo at the end of the eight episodes but it definitely followed that boy's vibe everybody has these superhero powers and they're all kind of a little weird and all these strange things happen but is very very enjoyable and if you want to see some amazing kills please watch that one um and invincible season two is finally finally upon us we've been waiting which for what feels like forever for it to come back. Um, they also did a, a little special in between about the character Adam Eve, which I thoroughly enjoyed. So I'm excited. These two series are back. I'm thankful they are finally here and upon us. Invincible is the animated series, correct? Yes, correct. So I tried that, but that was too gory for me. Oh, I loved it. So how is like, so I never really continued with it. How is the other stuff in that world? Is it as gory, equally gory? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can say that. It, nothing is going to top Omni-Man completely destroying what is the equivalent of the Justice League um, on Invincible. But it, a lot of the stuff is gory. But I don't mind that. Like, I, mean, I figure if we're going to do this, let's do it right. You know what I mean? And this is the only time you could actually root for people to get completely maimed <laughs> and no one will look at you strange so i i enjoy that aspect of it but it has some really like serious themes that they tackle in it too so it's it's all about what you like you said what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy mo are you looking at mel sideways for her number five pick and what is yours no i'm not looking at mel sideways for her pick i should have because i'm absolutely enjoying um, Invincible and Gen and Gen V for that for that matter, uh, but but my my pick for number five it's a bit of a low hanging fruit. It is the fact that the writer strike and the WGA writer strike that is and the SAG after strikes have both come to a conclusion on favorable terms, at least based on what the information that we have for both the writers union and the the actors union uh, certainly you know we wouldn't have any of this geeky content 
that's in various media without the con- contributions of both the writers and the act- actors and the sacrifices they make. And that now that the, these both strikes have, have concluded, we're going to get some more con geeky content number of series that I'm looking forward to either wrapping up, continuing or starting up um, either this year or at throughout 2025 and beyond. Well, coming in at number five for me is season two of Shadow and Bone. I really enjoyed season one, and season two was just an uh, enjoyable, thoroughly enjoyable ride. It wasn't necessarily great television, but it wasn't bad, and it was just... I enjoy the characters. There was some really interesting dynamics that further evolved from season one to season two. Uh, Kaz and in, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Inya um, were their relationship was interesting. The various dynamics between Alina and the men in her life were interesting. I'm a sucker for magic and spells and that kind of stuff. And so in in wake of the news that it has not be, been renewed for season three, I really need Netflix to pick up seasons for like or shows for more than two or three seasons. I need us to get to at least four seasons on on most Netflix shows that are involve fantasy and sci fi. But um, I figured this would be a great place to just say this is a show. I'm thankful I got a season two and I really enjoyed it. Mel, what did you have at number four? So this year. I had the privilege of being able to go to Universal Studios in Hollywood and check out Super Nintendo World. It just opened this year. Um, so I was really excited to go. It's everything Nintendo, mostly Mario, which is totally fine with me. And it was everything you could imagine it was. They did a really, really fabulous job designing the theme park. I mean, as you enter, it's like you're going through one of the pipe tunnels that you use in the game and it makes a little noise as you go through and you end up in kind of the the castle um, from the N64 game. And then once you finally walk in, you enter the world and it is completely immersive. It is Mario everywhere. There's Goombas, there's Bobombs, there's the little turtle things that you have to step on. I mean, it's incredible what they did. And they made these little interactive bands where you can go and you can play certain games throughout the land. Um, and you can hit the little blocks and it makes the noise. You can go up into the castle. There's a, a ride. There's a Mario Kart ride. Then you can do so many games and you earn keys like you used to in one of the Mario games. Then once you get so many keys, you can go into the castle and play a game with uh, like 10 other people. It, it was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. You can purchase this extra little pass to get in early just to go see the land um, before the rest of the park opens. I advise you, if you're going to do that, please do it. It was so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I cannot wait to go back. Um, but that was definitely my my number four is just being able to go and experience that. And it's literally, you know, in, in the city I live in, down the street. It's great. Mo, what do you have at number four? Uh, for me, it, I'm going to veer in a bit of an opposite turn. It's going to be uh, several comic book series that are written by my writer, Mark Wade. And these comic series that he writes are uh, one, they're all published by DC. One is World's Finest. 
which is a Batman Superman title that he's been spearheading for. Uh, we're, we're approaching two years now in this this current volume. Uh, it's a, there. Uh, so basically, World's Finest, uh, the Batman Superman title, focuses on uh, sto- storylines featuring this, you know, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, that's set in the past of the current continuity of the DC 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 universe. And what this series able is able to do is to tell, I would say, some very contemporary feeling stories using characters who may not currently exist in currently uh, current DC continuity, uh, put some new spin on some some story. Some storylines, for instance, there was a date episode between uh, Dick Grayson, who is the Robin in this series, and Supergirl, um, uh, Carl Zor-El. And it, it was kind of a funny little little one-off story. Next, um, he also writes a spinoff of this called uh, World's Finest Teen Titans. And it is a book that is focused on what is Dick Grayson Robin doing when he's not hanging out with Batman and Superman in the main title. And it features a number of Teen Titans characters who were in the Titans uh, television series who may have appeared on um, some of the Arrowverse series. So, for instance, if you've watched the the Titans series, um, Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, she is a main part of this series. We also have... um, Speedy, uh, Roy Harper, who was in on Arrow. It's very lighthearted, very tongue-in-cheek. Again, it takes place in the past continuity of the DC universe. And then finally, he's been writing this Shazam series. And the Shazam series, if you've been, if you've watched either one of the Shazam films, it uses a similar structure with Billy Batson and all of his siblings or foster siblings. Uh, but in in this series. Billy Batson currently is the only one that possesses the powers of Shazam, but there's something wrong with those powers. They've been corrupting him and he's trying to figure out how to maintain his relationships with his siblings who no longer have access to, to their powers. And at at the same time, he's also trying to figure out what is going on with this corruption within with him. So all three of these titles written by Mark Wade, Mark Wade, if you're not familiar with him, he is a veteran DC comics writer and comics writer in general. He's worked on The Flash. A good, a large portion of the continuity that the Flash television series utilized came from this man. He co-created a number of these concepts back in the in the nineties and so forth. And like, so, are you saying that he's responsible for Barry being a timeline fuck up? Um, no, I would say I'm so. Just it, joking. So, so in terms, if you want to go there with the Barry being a timeline fuck up, I would say that's more of a. Well, no, it's a bear. It's a Barry thing. It's uh from from more the two thousands comics where you're getting the stuff that was written by Jeff Johns that was leading into the new fifty two. A lot of that time shenanigans, but concepts like excess the um. The Speed Force, I would say really a lot of the Speed Force stuff, the relationship. So when Mark Wade was writing the Flash series, his protagonist was Wally West. And this Wally West was a a, a white character. Iris red in this hair. series. Yes, with red hair. His his Iris was his aunt, not his sibling. And 
Iris was the grandmother of characters like Excess and Bart Allen, um, not their mother. And so in the relationship between Barry, I'm excuse me, Wally and his his partner was the basis of everything that you got with West Allen. So they basically trans took all this stuff from the 90s that was um these concepts that were taken from utilize that were these concepts that were used for Wally and then transplanted onto Barry in the Flash TV series. But get again, this this man uh, Mark Way he continues to reinvent himself. And that if you like simple comics, if you like comics that have done in one stories or stories with um few multi part storylines that that are fa are fairly fun to enjoy month in and month out, I would certainly check out these titles if you are a fan of DC characters. Coming in at number four for me is an Am Amazon Prime series, um, The Wheel of Time Season 2. Season 1 was very controversial, I guess, for people who had read the books. Um, I have some friends who've read the books, and they were like, some of these characters do not match up at all to what I read. Um, and I enjoyed Season 1, um, but Season 1 was a lot of moving all of the, like, chess pieces into place if that makes sense which sometimes that can work sometimes that doesn't it i tend to be the type of person whether it's in comics whether it's in tv shows movies i like a group of characters i'm not always as interested in like the solo plot storyline which is why i was sort of surprised by season two of the wheel uh the wheel of time because in it they basically took this group of characters and split them up. But they did it in such a way that I cared about the character plot lines more than I expected to when these kids were on their own. And then they brought them all together in, in, by the end of the season for the season finale, and it turned out really, really good. I, I found it to be a thoroughly enjoyable fantasy, uh, fantasy series season Great magic, great CGI, epic scale. There were some very, like, character-driven, like character-driven moments in this in the season. Whether it was the teens, whether it was the lead, Moraine went through some shit, and yet it was all very character-driven. The uh, like. It, Sometimes fantasy series will be all about the action and there won't be very much character or there'll be total character and they won't have enough action. And this one was just a great balance of both for me. Characters that I didn't particularly care for in the first season had story arcs that I enjoyed in the second season. I think I uh, like I, I was pretty darn impressed with season two of The Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. Number three, Mel. My number three is season two of Loki. I really, really enjoy. I'm interested. I'm interested in this. I really enjoyed the first season a lot. And I felt like they could have done some more. There could have been more things, but you know, so on and so forth. But season two had a lot to do with time travel. Time travel is one of my all time 
favorite stories, tropes, whatever you want to call it. I'm always interested. So when this season mostly dealt with that, I was like, well, I'm in. You, you already got me from this. But to see Loki's journey from where he started in that very first Avengers movie to where he ended up here, I love seeing characters being able to get a fully realized journey from realizing how they were wrong to trying to fix things to realizing they can be a better person, better character, so on and so forth, to actually accepting who they are and accepting their destiny and their journey. And I loved that portion of Loki. I love all the little quirky characters, Mobius and um, OB, and I can't think of the young lady who was in Lovecraft country but she's in this too and she's amazing um but i really i enjoyed the story i love the time loops the the timeline skipping all of these little things i really felt like it all came together at least for me i know other people feel differently but for me it it made sense i could not wait to watch this series every week it was definitely a highlight for me and I know they're saying it's not going to be a season three. I wish they would make it so, but I am interested to see how Loki will now come back into the timeline because now he's kind of isolated himself being the, essentially the the person who's making sure everything stays in line now with all of the timeline branches, which is now formed this tree. Um, but you know, he's going to come back eventually. I'm interested to see it. And of course, Miss Minutes, because I cannot, not mention Miss Minutes and her whole psychopathic tendencies. You know, she she might have been in love a little bit a lot with Victor Timely. And I was like, girl, I don't know how that's gonna work, but they eventually shut her down, but she knows she's gonna come back. So listen, she got in her feelings. <laughs> Baby, oh. she said, Oh, I wanted a body. And I was like, What you gonna do with that girl? You you don't even know what to do. It was it was really interesting to see um, that little animated character get get her own shine this year. Do you think season two would be as good for you as you say it was had the final episode not been part of that season? I... If Loki had not ended up where he ended up. Would the season have been as good for you as it was? I mean, I'm going to say yes, because I did like, I liked all the episodes as we went through everything. And it was mostly about time travel, like I said. And it was about finding where you're supposed to be, where you are. Can we change this? Can we not change this? Could it be possible? And we want to attempt to save the sacred timeline in quotations. Um, but I do think that the way they ended it did elevate the season. Like they, they stuck the landing as we say. So I, I, the reason why I asked that is because I really, okay, there were only six episodes. I really enjoyed episode one and I really enjoyed episode six, but miss minutes and Ravana, <laughs> like, I feel like that entire portion of the storyline could have been taken out and we still could have ended up in the same place or close to it. You you can't it, tell the Kang story without telling Ravana. You can't. 
She's too uh, important to it. They could have had more of her. Now, I can agree with that. See, I just, uh, like, I was watching season two and I'm like, I have to go back and remember why she's important. Like I remember her in season one being very by the book. And then she, and in season two, she's gone going rogue. And then she's with miss minutes who has psych. Like there was so much backstabbing going on between those two and other people. And that I was like, plus the time travel. I was like, okay, this is a lot. I'm not sure this makes sense. It feels like spaghetti's being thrown against the wall and ironically, we ended up with spaghetti at the end of the season. Um, and like, I love the first episode. I loved how it ended. Like Loki being ending up I'm not, where he did. Great idea. It's very cool. It also makes him immensely powerful going mm-hmm. forward. Like he may be the most powerful being in the MCU now. I think it was a solid season, but I can see why people had some complaints about it. Um, but I guess this technically isn't a Loki review, but I was just curious because I enjoyed it, but I was like, ooh, there were some moments for me. Mo, what did you have at number three? So for me, I'm going to, um, it's a bit of a tie. So it is David Tennant continuing to be on my screen and in real life. So this year, one of the things I got to do early on in the spring was I got to briefly meet David Tennant. Um, he came to um, hashtag jealous. <laughs> I can't, well, it was only like a one minute encounter, basically. But he came to Richmond, Virginia um, to GalaxyCon, actually, and I, I got to take a photo with him. And he did this really great. Uh, he was there most of the weekend. He did this really wonderful uh, Doctor Who uh, panel or rather a panel about a lot of his work but it primarily focused on on doctor who and then from there we've got he had the return of his series on amazon good omens with uh michael sheen in which he plays the demon crawley and hijinks ensue between him and michael sheen's um fell and in which they're trying to of course stop the apocalypse but this time in the second season the apocalypse is coming from the forces of heaven and and they're trying to figure out what happened to the angel gabriel or and what if they don't unravel this mystery you know the world is going to end you, what you really watch good omens for is the relationship between Crawley and Aziraphale. And throughout the centuries, these two, you know, one's an angel, one's a demon. They're basically keeping an eye on things on Earth for their respective factions. But there are times, probably more times than when they should, these two individuals find themselves together in the sense of them collaborating. They have this friendship. And as we saw throughout the series, this sexual tension that boils over in the final episode of the second season and setting up what we hope will be a third season, though we really haven't gotten confirmation of that from Amazon. And then finally, you know, what I have to look forward to involving David Tennant is he is coming back to the role of the doctor starting uh, November 25th for a series of 
one shots the celebrate or special episodes that celebrate the 60th anniversary of the doctor. So, you know, I really was grateful to have, you know, whether it's to see David Tennant on screen or to meet him in person uh, as part of what I consider the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Awesome. Um, Good Omens was made my honorable mentions list. It got bumped off of uh, my actual list because of what my number three pick is, which is DC's Blue Beetle. I really enjoyed this film. It was a great superhero film with a family um, who backs him up. It reminded me a little bit of the original Ant-Man on the Marvel side, just, I mean, obviously the age of the characters are different, but like the family dynamics and those type of things. Um, I thought that everything about it, even Susan Sarandon unhinging her John eating scenery was, was fun. And I like, I really want to see another blue beetle. I think that that actor deserves to get another movie. I think he deserves to be incorporated into the new DC cinematic universe or whatever it's going to end up being called. I hope we get more blue beetle. Number two, Mel. Number two for me is what I feel like right now is we are having a horror movie resurgence and it makes me really, really happy. I felt like 2023 had some pretty good ones. I just watched Insidious the Red Door and I loved it. Um, Fab Five at Freddy's, which is based on a video game, just did bonkers numbers at the box office. There was Evil Dead 2 this year. There was also, um, well, it isn't a movie, but it's a series. Um, the Last of Us did crazy amazing on hbo max and i love 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 seeing the genre kind of get another wind i feel like every 20 or so years it kind of does but this time we're moving in the right direction i love seeing a genre that doesn't always get the 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 best reviews or the best actual numbers of people going to things kind of get more pop culture references and that makes me really happy and i also had the privilege this year of going to uh universal's halloween horror nights and it was packed out there were people everywhere they did a really great job of incorporating all the movies and the haunted houses and it was just really fun and i can't wait to see more horror in 2024 more horror in yes. 2024. Let's hope it's not real life horror. <laughs> um, Mo, who do you have at number two? Or who or what? What What is the question? Uh, again, I, I'm doing a combo here. It is the continued proliferation of Star Trek on our screens. And, you know, this year we've got a lot of Star Trek, uh, you know, kicking it off with that really wonderful third season of star trek picard which was wow i mean truly a love letter to star trek the next generation and if you um i mean the only thing that they literally did not have i thought in that third season of Picard was basically having Wesley meet his, his half brother. I mean, they pretty much get in a bit more cue. Um, 
not so cute, but you really, if you were a, a fan of next gen in particular, um, you got a nice sort of closing loop where the TNG crew got to pilot their version of the enterprise once again and save the galaxy from the Borg. Um, I thought that if this is uh, Patrick Stewart's last run as Jean-Luc Picard, you know, he went out on a really high note. I am glad they did not kill his character off. I think the transformation of Worf was really, they've elevated that character and made him more of a Zen-like character now. The continued integration of characters from the Picard series, such as Seven of Nine, continuing uh, continuing that on. It was just a wonderful, wonderful series for longtime track fans. Uh, Before you go on, I need, I also need a Jack spinoff because <laughs> um, Ed Spielers yeah. had a glow up from his Downton Abbey days to his Star Trek Picard days. And I need more of that glow up in my life. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's man. I, I I really do hope. I know Paramount is sort of in retrenchment mode when it comes to the Star Trek series because obviously they've gotten rid of or they've sold off Star Trek uh, Prodigy. Um, we we know Discovery had been Discovery's final season had been announced long ago. Correct, and I mean, and and theoretically, and Picard was only going to be limited because of. I mean, Patrick Stewart, right. He had yeah. said for the, from the beginning that he wasn't going to be doing a lot. Like there is no way that power paramount abandoned star Trek, star Trek. If you go on the paramount app before showtime arrived, the, the only two major things bef- besides live television, like sports events that you would have on the paramount app was either star Trek or drag race. And by drag race, I'm talking RuPaul's drag race and not like dr- car drag racing. The rest of the stuff that's on there would just be your normal CBS television stuff. There was nothing unique about the Paramount Plus app until they had Star Trek and Drag Race. And then later, because they fucked up and didn't get the streaming rights to Yellowstone, they put the Yellowstone spinoffs on Paramount Plus. Uh, Up until then, though, it was those other two franchises that were holding it down as Paramount Plus. Well, yes, but. At the same time, yeah, and I agree with you. It is ho- it was it was holding it's been holding down the service. The problem is, I guess, you know, we're in this austerity mode now, and where they did sell off, um, you know, that they canceled and then sold off the completed second season of Star Trek Prodigy. Um, you know, the section 31. I know a lot of folks were hoping we would get a uh, Michelle Yao um series that's just there that's supposed to now be a section 31 film, but you know, again. We're still we still got that last season of Discovery coming. We've got more lore decks coming. Um, and I'm going to get to lore. You know, I'm going to shift now to Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The second season of that, I think it beautifully builds upon the successes of the first season of Strange New Worlds. I, for me, I I love Ethan Peck's Spock, uh, the rela- his relationship. Will they? Won't they? With Nurse Chapel. I'm. Wait, wait, wait. No, it's the will they, won't they with Captain Pike. Let's get this straight. <laughs> will they, won't they with Pike. <laughs> you know, and I again, Anson Mount, you know, we 
And I'll be real, oh. you know, he didn't work for me as Black Bolt. We had some serious problems with Black Bolt, but I think it was more of a budgetary issue than his acting ability. Uh, I've, you know, he, Anton Mount as Christopher Pike, in, in my opinion, is, I, I would say him and Spock are the two central figures in which everything else orbits around those two 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 characters. Absolutely. And he's just dreamy. <laughs> that hair. You like the hair? <laughs> yes. I, well, I, listen, I have so much hair envy. I wish I had his hair. I wish I had his hair. You, you know, it's just... Yeah, and, and the fact is, with Pike, you know, for long-term Star Trek fans, you know he has this sort of tragic... Um, he has this tragic ending and I like that, you know, we know it's still a little squishy about how he's going to end up. But the fact is, is that we're li- we're able to see his life unfurl and to see him living his best life and being that beacon, that captain that we want sitting in the chair of the enterprise. And I know some people are, ho- you know, believes that he is just warming the seat for uh kirk you know which we did get a bit of kirk you know our vampire diaries alum you know was featured in a few episodes as as kirk but i just need him to end up on a strange new world (laughs) where damon is and so there (laughs) can be that scene is all i'm saying (laughs) but you know we got rebecca remain as una that fabulous episode about you know augments or and and you know the rights of her of her of genetically engineered uh characters to have positions of power and and roles within the federation that was a beautifully done episode um I, again i could the dr mbanga the storyline with him you know dealing with ptsd you know the rage issues and so forth again you can sing praise he continued to heap praises on top of the characters for 10 episodes it's packed this season this show is packed in those 10 episodes i look forward to getting uh season three hopefully we will get it next year but regardless whether it's 2024 2025 i'll be back for the continuing um adventures of the enterprise on strange new worlds and then finally star trek lower decks you know, Star Trek Lower Decks, I, I like the fact that, you know, we're still content, mostly getting like done in one with some overarching uh, plots that that continue throughout the season. They the the brilliant crossover between uh, Strange New Worlds and uh, Lower Decks was really a really fun. I think that continuing to, you know, pick apart at the seams and highlight, you know, random characters from whether it's TNG, whether it's Voyager, whether it's Deep Space Nine, continuing to bring bring those characters in, reference those characters, utilize those plot progressions. I, I, I think that um, straight, straight, uh, Lower Decks w- continues to have legs and I look for, and I like the fact that the Lower Decks characters, that, that, that quad, they have um, got a got a promotion and rank and so now they're quite not so lower deckish but you know they're still sort of fairly low on the on the food chain in, in terms of their ship 
Well, coming in at number two for me is a live action adaptation of, and you guys can correct me on this because I don't know anything about the animated side, the anime One Piece. So I have a friend who is super into One Piece and I had seen a trailer for it and I was like, that show looks bonkers insane i don't even know if i want to go into it but my friend who is this avid reader who has the like collections upon collections upon collections of the books he was like you need to watch it it's really good i watched it it was still bonkers what the fuck is going on but it had so much heart And so much chemistry between what I consider now, I I may be not familiar with these actors from other roles, but for the most part, to me, they were all unknown actors, all the major cast and their the cast chemistry was amazing. The lead whose name I, of course, am going to mispronounce, but it's Anaki Godoy, who plays Monkey. I normally hate his type of character who's always finding the best and the positive in everything. Like I normally hate those characters with a passions. It They are right up there for me. Like if you are list, ever listened to daytime confidential s- soap opera heroines who are always the goody goodies. I hate those two well, almost equally. I do not like those archetypes. But Monkey's portrayer was so engaging and so genuine. And there was something about the absurdity of everything that was involved in this series. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around it. Like if I was going to try and describe this to someone, I don't even know how I would do it in a short and concise manner, which is already difficult for me since I tend to be long-winded anyways. I don't know how I would do it. But all of that being said, it was super fun. The cast was to- had amazing chemistry. The lead character, I followed Monkey's story from beginning to end. I was there for the, the whole portion of it. The revelation about his grandfather, I was like, okay, so now I have questions. So I start texting my friend and I'm like, so where's the dad? Because I feel like the dad is missing. Is the dad possibly such and such? Is the dad such and such? It's like, so I, it's getting me to ask questions about this series. If you have not watched it and you know nothing about it and you were like me and was like that trailer looks bonkers insanity. I don't even want to dip a toe into it. I would encourage you to just plunge into the deep end. Let just go with it because the first few episodes, the shark people and the various other things that show up are just insane. And, but by time you reach the end, you will have fallen in love with the live action. Now, I'm going to caveat all this by saying there is not enough money in the world to get me to read the source materials for this because this show was so bonkers just on itself 
that trying to go back and understand the source material would blow my mind. And I do not have the time for that because from my understanding, there are a shitload of source materials that this is based on. But if you haven't watched it, you should definitely watch it because it's just a ton of fun, a ton of heart, and you will have a warm, fuzzy feeling from what could easily be described as an indescribable series. That's so, my number two. So, Luke, I was going to say, like, if if you want to go back to oh, that One Piece source material, my, I, I mean, forgot. You're, again, you're you're talking like go back to the nineties, <laughs> and I forgot one thing. I need more of Steen, Stephen John Ward's character in my life. I need more. That oh, he listen when you have a guy with a big gun and abs. I'm here for it. Big sword gun with abs. I'm here for it. Okay. Yeah, the source material. No, I am not doing that. From what I understand, there's a ton of it, and I will. I refuse to go back to any of that. I will enjoy this for what it is, and that will be my headcanon continuity the same way the Wheel of Time is my headcanon continuity. I'm going by the TV show. I am not going by any of the printed materials. Mel, what do you have at number one? Number one for me has already been mentioned, but um, for me, it is the strikes being over. The Writers Guild and um, SAG both protested. They striked for what they felt was right, what they needed, more compensation, more rights, more everything. And I'm so happy that they were able to work out a deal and they were able to get it in this year. I think it was the longest strike for everyone, for the writers and for the actors. Um, But it was pretty amazing seeing everyone out in front of all of the studios protesting every single day to get what they deserve. I'm so happy they were able to get it. Um, And just seeing it here in LA was pretty um, incredible, but I'm, I'm also happy too, that we can get back to creating content and, and the things that everyone loves because without the actors, without the writers, we wouldn't be able to have any of it. And I think it's really important that we highlight that and we celebrate them. And hopefully everyone else, the animators, the video game folks, everyone can get the things that they need as well coming up in the new year. But without those wonderful folks, we would have nothing. So thank you to them. Mo, what do you have at number one? We have two, count of two, Superman television shows streaming or on air in 2023. I mean, as a fan of the character, wow. Uh, You know, first, the new animated series that's on Adult Swim, though, to be frank, there's not a whole lot of the content that's really Adult Swim-ish, other unless you count his abs. Um, and if Luke, if you've seen those abs on the animated Superman. I did not even realize that there was an animated series on, on Adult Swim. So no, I have not seen the abs, but uh, Superman usually has a pretty good chest. So I would be there for that. So I, I will say it's called My Adventures of Superman. Uh, it's it would They released 10 episodes. It was streamed over the summer. Um, it, universally, a lot of people... 
well, I shouldn't say universally, but there was a large portion of the population who watched the show, who was obsessed with the show. It draws heavily from anime, um, as particularly facial features, how characters power up, how characters utilize their, their powers and so forth. I would say even uh, some of the plot points and so forth. So the the series um, uh, stars um, Jack Quaid, who voices Superman and Clark. Jack, I mean, Jack Quaid is just everywhere. He's Boimler on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. He's Huey on The Boys. And his 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 Superman and Clark can it he feels has this youthful energy. He obviously exudes the sort of what you would expect Superman to be the the the, the I wouldn't say the nobility, but this um, down to earth individual who wants to do the right thing, but he's struggling with modern life. He's struggling. He he very much feels I would say certainly um, a Gen Zer um, or or maybe or, or yeah probably Gen Z would probably be the, the best description. He's paired up with Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. The Lois Lane in this series is um is, is a biracial character, a, a character of of Asian descent and, and white descent. Uh, the Jimmy Olsen is a, it's a black Jimmy Olsen. Uh, certainly, I'm sure you there were there were some segments um out there who had who took issue with that but i think it 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 really didn't matter it was nice to see this diversity in in the in in the character mix but the friendship between these three was the crux of this series uh particularly how everyone found out that clark was superman fairly early on and how they dealt with that i think was very different than what we've seen either on Superman Lois, what we saw on uh, Smallville, Superman Lois and Clark, any of the other adaptations, very unique. The episodes are roughly 21 minutes. It's very in and out. Lots of Easter eggs for fans of DC properties. They even pulled in some Doom Patrol villains, um, the Brain and Mr. Mala, uh, Mishu Amala in, in an episode as well. Um, Interesting relationship between this version of Sam Lane and Clark as well. Um, like I said, it's been renewed. There's a second season coming at some point. You can watch it on Adult Stream, uh, Adult Swim, or stream it on Max the next day. And then, of course, the big one: Superman and Lois. Which I think you know, there were a lot of people who had issues. Our co-host Dan, for instance with the fact that this verse Superman and Lois is set on an alternate earth away from the Arrowverse. And I'll be frank. I agree. They pulled the wool over our eyes, but I don't care because the straw, the storytelling has just been spectacular. The storytelling is so much stronger than the Berlanti verse. The, the fact that it's on another universe is totally okay. Sorry, yeah, Dan. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. It, it, I think that the fact that we, you know, you can make criticisms of the fact of Clark's parenting because there are some problems with his style of his and Lois's style of parenting, you know, his, his twins, um, John and Jordan, but the fact that it reflects 
contemporary society, the fact that these issues, these pressures that parents are dealing with, you, we see it, you know, whether it's the underage drinking, whether it's Jordan with his anxiety issues, whether it's the cyber, but it's, it, you get all of this. And then on top of that, this third season, though it had Lois dealing with a problem that Superman could not punch, which was cancer. And I think, you know, Folks have had some problems with some of the technical aspects of how this the story was told, but I think from an emotional standpoint, right, you were there with Betsy Tula when when she was going through those treatments. Okay. And juxtapose that with the one of the the main villains from this season. Bruno Mannheim and his family and how they were dealing with something very similar. And I think that they cast um, his name is uh, Chad and I can't losing track of his, his last name. He was on the walking dead. He was a phenomenal uh, Bruno Mannheim. I would love to have seen more of his storyline progress. And of course we got Lex Luthor, a very different kind of Lex Luthor, a Lex Luthor who, who really is scary. I mean, showing up in those last few episodes and will be the chief protagonist in uh, season four. And I'm sad that uh, Superman and Lois is going to be ending with season four, but I hope these last 10 episodes are really amazing. And <laughs> side note, I actually, a few, uh, I actually managed to meet one of the writers from Superman and Lois at the Virginia Film Festival, um, wonderful individual. Um, and, you know, he's very excited because it was right after the writer's strike had concluded. He was very excited about coming back and, 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 and working on the series. Uh, again, I, I, I believe Superman and Lois will go down as probably one of the best, if not the best, television version of superman strong words if dan was here there'd be a, a throwdown because dan doesn't like superman i'm making categoric statements for dan dan doesn't like superman because he doesn't like this season i mean that's just how it is well well to be fair to dan he doesn't I'm like superman totally and joking i'm totally <laughs> joking I, I'm making broad, sweeping generalizations about Dan's opinion to make him laugh since he's not here. Well, we also got our fan um, Enrique who follows us as well. He, he is not a fan either. Coming in at number one for me as the number one thing that I am thankful for in the world of geeky stuff this last year is the Lower Decks Strange New World crossover. I have enjoyed Lower Decks. It has a lot of heart. The animation is fun. Obviously, animation allows you to do things with Star Trek characters that you can't necessarily do with live action characters, but it's got a lot of fun. Strange New Worlds is a top notch drama in which they have like made it the fine wine of Star Trek for me. Like every single episode. Well, okay. All but one episode a season, because there seems to be one episode a season, and it usually involves like some sort of weird thing going on. But like one, all but one episodes of the season is fine wine. The rest of the time, it's more of like a five dollar bottle of wine. The re but the other ones are good. That crossover was perfection. 
it was straight up Star Trek perfection from beginning to end. And now I don't know how they would do it, but I need a live action Lower Decks. That's how much I enjoyed the, the live incarnations of those characters. I need a live action Lower Decks. Any honorable mentions? Uh, Mo mentioned one of mine, which was Good Omens. I was also going to say The Witcher season. I thought was a pretty was deserved an honorable mention as a thing I was thankful for. Henry Cavill is no longer going to be with it, so I've enjoyed his seasons of it. Mel, any honorable mentions? Uh, one of them you mentioned, Luke, was Blue Beetle. I forgot to give that one an extra shout out. I thought it was really great, and I hope we get more movies, at least, or maybe just keep the character, because heaven knows what's going on in the DC universe, but it was really great. Mo, any honorable mentions? Um, I want to acknowledge Doom Patrol and Titans wrapping up their uh, final four seasons. I think both of them went out being what they were. So if you enjoyed the wackiness, the over the topness of Doom Patrol, it was there for you. And if you enjoyed Titans, let me tell you, Brother Blood was eating some scenery, but that's what you expect from Klaus Michelson. Ooh. I I'm going to reserve comment. Um <laughs> On that note, we'd encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can um, join the Facebook group uh, where Mo posts a lot of geeky-related news on a daily basis. So if you're looking for a little bit of that, just log on, find the group, and uh, join it, and we'll approve it, and you can come in and join the discussion. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Eagles and uh, Mo is at Dr. Mo 77. We thank you for listening until next time. So long. Bye y'all. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> <laughs>